promised in Psalm 95 and verse number 6 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, the psalmist continued, Harden not your heart. Come, bless the Lord. All ye servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands in the holy place. Bless the Lord. The Lord who has made heaven and earth, bless you in Zion tonight. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we thank you for making this day a time available to us to give you worship and praise. We thank you for every blessing we have received. We return to you with praise, worship, thanksgiving, and adoration. You are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all honor. You are worthy of every blessing. And these we freely and bountifully give to you from the bottom of our hearts. Lord, you are Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You are the rose of Sharon, the lady of the valley. You are the bright and morning star. You are the fairest of 10,000 to our souls. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. You are Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Jehovah Nisi, our banner. Jehovah Sitkanu, our righteousness. Jehovah Shama, the one who is always near and dear to us. There is nothing too hard for you to do. And there is no need in our lives but that your power is able to meet that need and surpass it. Thank you, Lord. There is no depth to which we can sink. And you are not able to lift us up and lift us out. Your hand is long. Your grace is sufficient. Your power is exceeding great. You supply us with more than enough. We declare you are our King, Master, Lord, Redeemer, our all-sufficient friend. Today, we bow at your feet and we ask for your blessing upon every life. Let Jabez bless us indeed. Let your hand be with us and enlarge our coast. We remember at this time, Lord, those who are sick and afflicted, 
channel that is blocked, we ask that you will open it up. Every avenue that is closed, we ask that you will make a way there for your children. Shut out the strong winds that come against us in life, the stormy winds. Every need we ask you to supply, O oh Father. So today, we bow at your feet and we give you thanks for miraculous answers to prayer, even in this hour. We ask for Sister Sherry DeBoard, completely for Philippa and Michelle, for Wendell, every sick person who comes to mind at this time. Send your word, O oh Lord, and heal them. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, amen and amen. Let us begin today this midweek Bible study. Let us begin from the point where we left off last week. And so we will be actually starting from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 and going through to verse number 23. Um, but first, it would be good for us to just briefly touch on the high points of last week. We learned from Ephesians 1, 1-14, that we as believers are blessed, we are chosen, we are predestined to be children and sons and daughters of God. We are accepted, hallelujah. We are redeemed, we are forgiven, we are abounding in the wisdom of God. We have obtained an inheritance in Christ. We are trusting in Christ and we are sealed. We are his property. In addition to all the above, Paul learned that these Ephesians were continuing in their walk with Christ. Let us pause here to say that nothing warmed the heart of a preacher more than to hear that those who began the race are continuing to run in, a, in the faith and in love, run and in truth. As a preacher, for close to 60 years, another year would be 60. Um, I still remember some who are on this line very at this very moment, right now on this line, listening to this message. I remember that they received the Word of God and are today continuing strong in the faith. It is a blessing to me, and it gives great glory to the Lord God Almighty when people who have started in the race continue, and for these close to 60 years, they're still fighting the good fight. The record says here, Paul heard of their faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ, and their love towards the saints. These are 
behalf of these Ephesians. And none of those things, not one of those things, is material. They're all spiritual needs that Paul was hoping and believing that his prayer would meet. And do you know that our greatest need is not for material things? Our greatest need is for spiritual things. Jesus put it this way. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Things are secondary, but the kingdom of God is primary. He prays, in essence, for the believers to all come to the realization of the grace and power of God in Christ Jesus. Let us take this prayer apart as we search for the nuggets God has in it for us. Number one, he prays in verse number 17, of course, of Ephesians 1, that God would give to us and to them the spirit of wisdom, which is understanding in the deep things of God. He prayed against shallowness and he advocated that the believers, the Ephesians, and us, of course, would dig deeper and deeper in the Word of God. The Christians at Berea in Acts 17 and 11, the Christians at Berea, the Bible says, were more noble than those of Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with readiness and searched the scriptures daily to see whether these things taught by Paul were so. This resulted in many of them becoming strong believers simply because they personally examined the scriptures and measured their lives with those scriptures and brought their lives up to the level that the scriptures demanded. This midweek Bible study asks that you come, you attend with an open Bible an open heart, pencil, and paper, and the willingness to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You must become a discoverer of truth. When you discover truth, it means more to you than when someone just mentions the truth to you. Joshua was admonished this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, observing to do all that is written therein, for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Prosperity and good success follow confession and meditation on the Word of God. 
meditation on the Word of God. The Word of God must be like honey or honeycomb in your mouth. The Word of God must be sweet. Someone said, I esteem thy word more than my necessary food. May God give us a love, a hunger, and a yearning for the word of God. And today, God has made it so possible, so easy, that you could pick up your phone, press a button or two, and there is the word of God before you. You can carry it in your wallet. You can carry it with you as you carry your phone. Wherever you can take your phone, you could take the word of God. Yes, he prayed that the word of God, the word of Jesus Christ, the word of the Father, that that, that God, the Father of glory, may give to you Ephesians and to us harvest time midweek Bible class. Give to us the spirit of wisdom in the knowledge of Christ. Here is there that the Lord, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom in the knowledge of Christ. Ephesians 1.17 we have in this portion the source of spiritual wisdom. It is not the school or the college or the seminaries or the universities that we have attended. The supernatural wisdom of God, our Heavenly Father, He, it is, who made us to know and experience truth. The wisdom we express and we enjoy comes not from ourselves, but it comes from God the Father himself. What you and I know of biblical truth is what has been committed to us by God the Father. Let us always remember that. God is our source of wisdom. Jesus, in one of his prayers, prayed these words. Father, I thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you have revealed them unto babes and sufferings. Luke 10 and 23. To the first prayer, or rather, so the first prayer, is that the Father, the Father, God the Father, would give to these Ephesian believers and to us the spirit of wisdom. Secondly, he prayed that the Father would give to them and to us the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him, a disclosure a full, a full disclosure of who God really is, a revelation of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father, by the Holy Spirit, reveals to the hungry and the contrite 
mine eye that I might see and behold wondrous things out of thy law. Let us remember that these believers already had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They already had real love for the brethren, but there was more awaiting them, greater wisdom and understanding, greater wisdom and revelation and disclosure regarding the things of God, revealing more and more of the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, a newer realization, they were needing, Paul was praying for them to get a newer realization of him. You know, you could be saved and walking with the Lord for some time, but what you know, let's say right now, is not all that is possible for you to know. For as you walk with God and follow Him day by day, step by step, week by week, year by year, if you follow Him with a hungry and open heart, He will reveal more and more of Himself to you. He will take you deeper in the spiritual encounter you have with Him. He will lead you to a stronger commitment to God. He will make Himself more real to you. By this revelation, the eyes of your understanding will be opened and thus prepare you for the third prayer request. And that request was a realization of the believer's hope, verse number 18. Our destiny hangs on hope. Jesus has given us hope. The old songwriter said, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Who have we in heaven or on earth but the one to whom we have entrusted our eternal soul? Jesus, the Son of God. He will accompany us through the valley of the shadow of death. When we stand at heaven's gate, He will welcome us, the blood-washed saints. He will welcome us with these words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the kingdom of God, the joy of the Lord. Our hope, friends, our faith, our trust, hands on the promise he made to us. He who lives and believes in me shall never die. Yes, physical death, okay. But the moment physical death steps in, eternal life, brings into action. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hope, what a word, what a, what a, a, a rock 
Son, it says. Don't let your soul within you be cast down by trials, testings, troubles, tribulations, and torment. Hope in God. Somebody is praying for you. Do not despair. God answers prayer. The state of our world and the pathway of this generation all seem to be uh, an effort, a concerted effort to drive hope out of our hearts. But I say to you tonight, these are the right conditions in which the Lord may put in his sudden appearance, rapturing his church and rescuing his children from a world of sin and sorrow. The appearing of Christ is our blessed hope. The times may be rough, but rough times have to come so as to prepare the way to fulfill the word of God and to prepare the way for the advent, the appearance of Jesus Christ. And everyone, the Bible says, in uh, 1 John 3 and 3, everyone who has this hope in him purifies his, in his, himself even as Christ is pure. Don't let go of your hope. It is your anchor. It is the anchor of your soul. Hope in God. Don't give up. Don't despair. Paul prayed that the Ephesians might realize anew and afresh the strength and the power of hope in their God. With this hope is with this hope is lightning to the reason for this hope rather is linked to the reason for God calling us. There is an inheritance awaiting everyone who maintains this hope until the end. Attached to our hope is the promise of what is described as the riches of the glory of his inheritance in us. God has investments in us. And many times we forget about it. We are not aware of it, but this preacher is wanting you to become aware tonight that God has tremendous investments in you. Yes, it is easy for anyone to say, I believe in God. But can we say, can you say that God believes in you? You say you do not know, but this passage here, in Ephesians 1 and 18 is a prayer that we might become enlightened. We might become aware. It might be mani made manifest to us that there is great hope in God for us. There is hope in, in us for God. He's calling, there's hope of his calling, and what is 
of his inheritance in us. In other words, God has great treasures in you and in me. And the prayer is for you to fully comprehend how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. The called out people, the chosen people, those who are called from a life of sin and waywardness, those who like sheep had gone astray in you and in me, God has tremendous hope. We are a portion of God's wealth. As the shepherd's wealth can be gauged by the size of his flock or the greatness of his herd, so God's wealth is partially wrapped up in his people, his blood-washed people. The wealth of the Lord is his people. He gave his best to buy people from the slave market of sin. He gave his best to redeem us. He gave his best to purchase us. Why? Because in us, he has, he can see great and tremendous treasure. And one of the treasures God has in us is that we could freely and voluntarily worship him. It's not like one of those old uh, toys years ago that you wind up and then it spins or it runs or it jumps or whatever of our own free will we can worship the Lord or God and that kind of worship is precious in the sight of our God so prayer goes up for the believers wisdom for the believers knowledge of God for the believers hope and now a prayer is for the believer's realization of the power of God. How does one measure God's power? Of course, by observing what that power has done, what it is doing, and what it will do. And time will not permit us to really get into that, but that would be interesting. How great, how wide, how mighty, how strong is the power of God. This passage, however, describes God's power as being exceeding great. It is mighty. It is a power that raised Christ from the dead and elevated him to the Father's own right hand in the high heavens, elevated him beyond the realm of all the levels of satanic dominions, all of them principalities, powers, might, and dominion above every power that is named. Yes, power that was known and power that at that time and in this day power that is unknown, real and imagined power. Every power 
every other power in this world and in the world that is to come. Ephesians 1, 21. In other words, brothers and sisters, there is no place anywhere where the power of the Almighty takes second place. Nowhere. This is the power the Apostle Paul prayed that should become the possession of the believer, should be factored into the knowledge of the believer. The believer should understand the vastness of God's great power. Can we wrap our minds around that idea, the greatness of God's power? Surely, the Spirit of God alone can open our eyes and awaken us to this truth. Hence the prayer of the Apostle. The deduction is that God has given us the most powerful person in the realm to be our Savior, our Lord, and our friend. Christ is the most powerful because God exalted him high. This is our Christ. This is the Anointed One. He's no weakling. He knows no limitations. He can be he cannot be resisted or overcome by anyone and by nothing. Nothing could resist him or overcome him or overpower him. Of all earth kingdoms, he is conqueror. This is our Savior. Give him praise. So great is this power of God that all things have been put under his feet. He is over all things. He walks on them. He tramples them. He crushes them. He steps on them at will. The elements are under his feet. God's power in Christ makes all things subject to him. At his name, every knee must bow of things in heaven, things in the earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue must confess that he is Lord. They will do this at this time, and some will do it later. But everyone will have to acknowledge eventually, in the final analysis, and by the time of the end, yes, this is the Son of God. Yes, He is Lord. The power of God in Christ puts Him above all things. He's appointed head of the church, who also fills the church. He is in each and every believer, so that He is in us around us and over us, preserving us, defending us, supporting us, imparting life to us, and meeting our every need. So we are complete in Him. We're completely wrapped up in Him. There is a hedge and a shield about us. He, we are complete 
registered to the hearts of all his people. When we know who he is, we will have no fear. We will walk in truth and confidence because we know we are surrounded by him. Let us pray, Father. We thank you for this word tonight and for opening our eyes and our understanding to see who Jesus is. We thank you that he is all that we need and he is more than we need. We thank you that he is not only sufficient, but he is more than enough. We bless you, Heavenly Father, for opening our eyes. Continue to teach us and show us your word. Continue to strengthen us by your mighty power. Bless your children, each one of them. We are not alone. We are surrounded by the Son of the living God. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.